Good morning, everyone. Friends, um, in our second reading, we have St. Paul uh, addressing the Corinthians again, and there he's speaking about the very resurrection of Christ, uh, uh, not just his ascension, but his resurrection and body also, uh, which was very different for them and hard for them to understand, a teaching that was difficult. And, uh, and he says, worry not, uh, for the Lord has conquered all things. And he um, he makes this reference to about the sting of death. And uh, uh, he's actually referencing a very ancient prophet of the church, Hosea. Uh, there Hosea uh, likens sin uh, to that of a scorpion who stings. And the poison of that scorpion has the ability to cause great damage and even death to you. And so this is where his, that reference comes from. Oh, sting, where is your, your victory? And he's saying Christ has conquered. And in John's gospel... Uh, Jesus will say, the trouble will, the world will trouble you, and the world creates great trouble for you, but know that I have conquered the world, so for a little while will you be troubled. And uh, so we take that to heart, especially in our times. And uh, in, uh, our first reading from the prophet Sirach, uh, he talks about how a person speaks will reveal uh, what their true nature is and what the... And, uh, just as an uh, orchard is judged by the quality of its fruit, a person's talk shows what kind of person he is. And this links with what Jesus kind of says in that final parable uh, about a tree that's known by its fruits. And uh, the words uh, of the mouth flow from that, flow what is in the person's heart. And um, just as we judge a tree by its fruit, so we will judge a prophet by his actions. And uh, any prophet who teaches the truth is nonetheless a false one if he does not himself practice what he teaches uh, to his people. And uh, a true prophet is the one who behaves in the Lord's ways. As the prophet from the first said, that person will remain steadfast and firm in all things. And uh, my friends, the thing about um, there's a balance that has to happen uh, with our scriptures because we're told not to judge, and yet these readings are telling us uh, something. You will, you will judge a person by the fruit. So uh, we need to come to understand what that is. So my friends, this is a continuation of Jesus' Sermon of the Plain in Luke's Gospel. This is his homily. Remember I told you two weeks ago that homily was all day long. The people went in the morning and they didn't leave until the evening. And so in today's Gospel, we, Jesus uh, has been speaking and in this, uh, Luke records him speaking in an ancient rabbinical style known as haras. Haras means beads, strings of beads, or strings of pearls. And uh, uh, this style called for the homilist, the preacher, to move quickly from one point to another uh, in order to keep the attention of the people. And uh, uh, perhaps I should learn that, huh? <laughs> uh, though, and this approach, seems, <laughs> this approach seems disorganized, however, to us. But in Jesus' time, it was not. It was actually used quite often. And uh, in that sense, then, it was considered to be very effective. And Jesus, knowing people's attention span is short, and that images that he could put in uh, helps them to retain what he's talking about um, and to recall them. And uh, Jesus, uh, so then in this account, in this part of the homily of Jesus, Jesus presents three powerful images in the form of 
small parables. And the three parables, as I said, continue this homily of Jesus on the plain, in which Jesus has so far set forth his teachings in a series of, uh, in Luke's gospel, it's a little bit different from Matthew, but Luke has him present four beatitudes, four blessings, contrasted by four woes. So four things if you do, you'll be blessed. Four things if you don't, uh, you will not be blessed. Uh, and then Jesus goes further and he follows it with these radical precepts such as love your enemies. This was against the time and culture of Jesus. He didn't do that. But Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and turn the other cheek. And then he took it to the heart of many people, money. He said, you will lend and you will expect nothing in return. Well, yeah. Uh, if Jesus was here and said that, he would get letters. <laughs> <laughs> my friends i think what's happening is jesus is sensing resistance to what he is teaching uh so resistance was in the ranks even went from his disciples and because the demands of his ethics uh are great so jesus intends i believe through these three images packed uh in these little parables to clarify what he is saying, and the very nature of what it's going to be to follow him. The first one, the first little parable, deals with sight. And in Luke's gospel, sight doesn't mean like I can see the green in this. He means spiritual understanding. And we get that, uh, remember with the Samaritans, um, Jesus, um, uh, not the Samaritans, the lepers. One of them is a Samaritan. And Jesus said only one of them figures it out, what's happened. And in there, uh, it's Luke uh, 17, line 15. Uh, the leper, who happens to be a Samaritan, it says he saw that he was healed. That means he understood that something happened to him. And then uh, there's even something more telling uh, on Calvary, there's a centurion who's standing guard uh, over Jesus to make sure no one helps him. And that's Luke 23, 47. And there, when Jesus dies on the cross, Luke has it, says that the centurion said, I saw then and understood. What did he understand? The very words that the centurion says, truly, this is the Son of God. So he saw, meaning he was enlightened, he understood. Uh, and in both cases, they glorified God. Uh, the centurion didn't even realize it when he said, this is truly the Son of God. He gives glory to God. And the leper, uh, you know, the Samaritan leper, goes back to Jesus and falls before him to worship him. And uh, the point of this little parable then, and this is going to be difficult, um, is that if a disciple or anyone else has doubts about Jesus' teachings, it is only because they have not understood him. Either they don't want to, Jesus calls it the hardness of heart, and, uh, and they will not see the way Jesus sees things. And some people are still blind then in that way of God, and consequently then are incapable of really giving him glory properly, but leading others uh, to, to God. Only when they fully accept Jesus' teachings will they be able to lead others without stumbling or falling into the pit, as Jesus says. And my friends, this, um, the second parable uh, contrasts the difference between, uh, if you will, a speck and a beam, as Jesus calls it, or a plank. And uh, it's 
for me, I see the humor in what Jesus is doing. He's, he's teaching, but he's kind of poking fun uh, at the tendency for people to find faults in others while being totally oblivious to the fact that they themselves have some issues to deal with and uh, their own faults. And it serves as a reminder to the disciples also that they too have blind spots and that need to be removed before they can serve as what Jesus needs them to do to bring people along the way, as it was known back then, to follow in the, the ways of discipleship. And remember, Jesus, uh, there was a point when he said, how much longer am I going to have to be with you? You do not understand. And uh, my friends, God has been doing this from the beginning. Moses, he was, it was like 40 years to get Moses to understand. You go back and look in the Old Testament, you will see it there. But uh, also, as I pointed out with the apostles, they were, Jesus was right next to them walking and teaching, and they weren't getting it. They weren't understanding. And uh, Peter would need even more time with him. As a matter of fact, Jesus, remember, he rebukes them really greatly by saying, you know what? You don't understand. You think as Satan does and not as my father. Wow. And then there's Paul. Jesus really has to go after Paul and knocks him right off that horse. And does all kinds of things to him because Paul had to learn also. Remember what he was doing? Well, he was really doing bad stuff. He really misunderstood. And uh, all too frequently, then, the faults that call for correction in the disciples, which Jesus likens to beams, may be more serious than the faults that the, his disciples are pointing out in the people, which Jesus said, they're like splinters compared to you guys. Um, so... Um, Jesus would say those who refuse to acknowledge these faults, he called hypocrites. Now, uh, there is a subtle nuance uh, to that understanding in Jesus' time. Hypocrite in ancient times referred to an actor, someone who was going to pretend to be something he was not. Uh, and a lot of times they wore a mask, you know, because they're going to go into character, as we would understand it today, to play a part. And masks were typical in... Uh, the theater of their time, and particularly with the Greeks the, when they're in their dramas and their tragedies. So Jesus harnessed this idea, and he turns it into a negative, uh, showing that he doesn't want anybody pretending uh, or acting in a role. And Jesus makes it clear he wants no play acting or pretense amongst his disciples. Christians should live what they profess, putting into practice precisely what Jesus has taught and those teachings that are handed down by his apostles. And furthermore, the apostle who created, uh, Jesus said, Peter, I will create my church upon you, and therefore the teachings of Mother Church. My friends, uh, I will never, ever apologize for the teachings of Mother Church. I am not wiser than my master, as the reading says, but I hope to be like him in his ways. And I am not smarter than Mother Church. No one person is. If they do, they are self-righteous. And some other choice words. But my friends, some teachings are very difficult they are very difficult. 
but I am not wiser than the Mother Church. All I can do is lay it before God and say, I do not understand. I do not like, but I will walk with you. Because what else is there to do? I liken myself this to a child who puts their hand into their father's hand. I don't know where you're going. Sometimes I don't understand you, but I'm going with you. I will do my best always to help as much as I can those to understand the teaching and with great charity to get them to look at it differently. But I will never apologize. And as the first reading says, I will remain steadfast and firm in it because that is the way to heaven. And yes, there are some things that even for me is difficult, very difficult. But I rely on Christ. He knows. He knows. My friends, this third parable of knowing a tree by its fruits is similar to the theme that Sirach in the first reading is getting at. But Jesus makes it even more demanding because Sirach suggests that we know people by what they reveal to us in their speech, how they talk. And uh, Jesus maintains something different, a criterion even more. He said, you will judge that person by their character by the deeds that they do. And Jesus even said, if you do not trust my words, if you find my words difficult, then at least trust what I have done. And my friends, here's where the tension is. We are told not to judge, and yet these parables are telling us something different. So there must be something different going on. There must be a balance that must happen. And Jesus uses this image of the tree referring uh, I'm sure he was talking about an olive tree because the area where he was speaking is that's what they have, olive trees. Everyone knows what olive tree is. Everyone knows olives come from it. Um, and oil, too. So uh, everyone uh, in that area, in the region, they would understand what Jesus, oh, he's talking about the olive tree. Yeah, we do know. When that tree is rotten, you don't go near it because <laughs> it has awful fruit, good for nothing. So you see, Jesus was speaking to them in a way that they would understand. And uh, and those people knew that a bad tree, a sick tree, would never produce anything that was good. For Jesus' actions served as a far better indicator of the character uh, than words. But uh, because he knew well how actions could contradict one's words. Over and over again, he urged people to avoid the examples of the Pharisees and scribes of his time precisely because they did not practice what they put upon the people. Matthew 23, 1 through 3, Jesus talks about that. Jesus wanted no hypocrisy, no pretending, no acting amongst his followers. And yes, even furthermore, Jesus did not want the Pharisaic foolishness that was present in his day, the way the Pharisees and scribes understood things. My friends, it's... Um, so how do we balance this understanding? On the one hand, we understand uh, not to judge, but yet these parables suggest that you will have to. And certainly, uh, Jesus was clear, do not condemn. Leave that to the Father. Uh, but he said you will have to make decisions. You will have to discern. You will have to make a judgment. So the only thing that can make sense is you are not to make rash judgments especially based on misinformation. 
And uh, regarding evil, evil is not simply just a division amongst peoples or amongst nations. It is never simply a matter of we and they. It is a line that runs through every human heart. That's what Jesus was saying, from the heart. So there you will find that which is good and evil. So it's never them or us. Today's first reading refers to the evil of the human heart that is revealed by one's words. But when we reflect on the kind of evils that are perpetrated of late, it is not just a spoken word, but those that are tweeted and those that are posted. And you know, Jesus would say, all that, all that stuff counts. And it's revealing something. Lies and gossip and rash judgments. My friends, um, the gospel refers to the heart as a source where evil and good happens. And... Um, in biblical language, a person's thoughts and feelings and intentions come from this area. And the expression refers to the intentions and actions, either good or evil, that arise from the depths of the human person and for which the person must have responsibility for. Evil that comes from the heart tells us what is actually in the person's heart. And my friends, although modern psychology tries to shed light on many things, the human psyche, sometimes uh, even excusing some evil actions and intentions uh, because of destructive influences. All right, so be it. But uh, remember that, uh, the children won't, but some of you adults remember. Remember that old saying, the devil made me do it? What that did was relieve culpability of people. He made me do it. Remember that? That's from, that's from the garden. That woman made me eat that apple. And then the woman says, well, this that thing, that snake, he told me to do it. <laughs> you see the blame thing? And uh, the scapegoat was an ancient device that remains active in our times. Uh, however, people do say and do evil things. And perhaps there are factors that will limit their culpability, but at least in their own eyes. I mean, I, we read it in, we'll read it again, where Pilate washes his hands. He washes and washes and washes. I wash my hands of that decision I made on that innocent man. It stays with you, brother. You, know, you didn't sleep well that night. And his wife, you know, remember his wife said, oh, have nothing to do with that. Have nothing to do with that man and make no decisions about him. And he didn't listen to his wife. He should have listened to his wife. <laughs> but my friends, um, I remember um, something that St. Philip Neri wrote uh, about this. And uh, he said, um, his quote is, uh, and he's talking about someone who falls from grace, so someone who's made a really horrible mistake in the world, uh, uh, as they know, it would judge that person. And he, he would say, um, there but for the grace of God go I. Meaning, if it were not for the grace of God, that would probably be me. And so he would try to understand, and he would pray for that person. And uh, my friends, one of the things about this is... Um, we cannot know everything that the person has done and, and how they might have fought against the evil for so long and won and then finally lost. And then they fell from grace. And I think here's where Jesus is saying, this is where you must discern. This is where you must not make rash judgments, but judge. And we should be careful because we do not know how that person walked. 
and the suffering that they were under. And St. Philip Neri says, but by the grace of God, let it not be me make that mistake. And uh, so we have to discern and figure this out. Because Christ has presented it to us in the Gospels. And uh, my friends, uh, the one thing that is absolutely clear is Jesus never kowtowed to his time, to his culture. He fought against it. And he had to put some of the religious people in their place because they did not understand the Pharisees and the scribes also. Uh, so that's why I brought up Moses and Peter and Paul and them. Uh, but, uh, so, and anyone who doubts that, they should simply pick up the scriptures and look. Because sometimes uh, people levy against Mother Church and the priests. You guys are bigots. You guys are self-righteous. You guys are hypocrites. And I don't think Jesus would dot, dot, dot. Well, I don't think Jesus dot, dot, dot is not based in the scriptures, but based on your feelings, which have been peppered and salted and influenced by society. The scriptures are there. The teachings of holy mothers and fathers of the church, it's all there. And he left it to Peter. And while the church may not be perfect on earth, it is holy because the one who is in charge of it is. So I will always follow. And sometimes if Mother Church has uh, seen something incorrectly, just as God has taken care of Moses and Peter and Paul, so he will bring his church to a greater understanding also. But sometimes that takes time. But um, I will always follow the church's teachings and try to make them understandable uh, in the most charitable way as possible. But Jesus spoke many things that were very difficult. Remember when he started talking about the Eucharist, his body and blood. Remember, everyone was like, that man's crazy. He wants us to chew. Because that's the word Jesus used. Remember, they left. Remember what happened? Even Jesus looks at Peter. Do you want to go? Because everyone was running. They're like, we can't. That's too, that teaching is too difficult. It's against everything the society tells us. Everything about no. And Peter says, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are you going to go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. And yes, sometimes his teachings are difficult, but they're filled with life. And they get you to eternal life. My friends, in this time, I encourage you always to pray for peace uh, amongst everyone. And... Uh, amongst all the Christian denominations and stuff, but I implore you to pray for, please pray for peace now uh, for Ukraine. Pray for justice. And as Jesus taught us, we must pray for those who uh, uh, we do not agree with and those who are considered to be aggressors. So we pray for Russia and we bid peace to them also. But we need peace there. So please pray. Prayers are efficacious. Friends, Wednesday begins our Lenten journey. So it's Ash Wednesday for us. Mass will be at 9 a.m. and also again at 6 p.m. Uh, for those who cannot make Mass at 9 a.m. or 6 p.m., I will be inside the church all day imposing ashes upon you. Remember, the, um, the ashes are not a sacrament. They're a sacramental, like holy water. 
because of that, I can impose ashes on any, bapti- any Christian. So any of your Christian friends who want to come and receive ashes inside the Catholic Church, they may do so at that time. I'll be here all day. Uh, again, it's because it's not, it's not a sacrament. Uh, sacraments are different, uh, but I can do that. But I'll be here all day praying uh, certainly for peace uh, now in the world and in Ukraine, but uh, offering prayers for, on behalf of the community all day and waiting to impose the ashes upon you. Amen.